of World. Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week, Wednesday at 6 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. This episode is also the latest edition of Mailbag Monday, our weekly mailbag show answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved, there's two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. Just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. It helps to tag it so I know that it's a mailbag question. Or watch the skies on Monday mornings around 9 a.m. Pacific time where I typically send out a tweet soliciting your questions. You respond to that tweet. I'll do my best to get you in the show. I haven't done that the last couple weeks because we've been overflowing in the email box. And y'all know, y'all apparently know where the uh, email address is. That is lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Again, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. You don't really need me to repeat it to you. All of you found it and sent me a, a ton of, cl- of questions, a plethora. Like I said, we do this each week. It's a ton of fun. Those are the two ways to get involved. Uh, If you do not hear your question in this show, it's because we're having a special delivery mailbag this week. It's going to be uh, Thursday's show. So make sure you look look for that one. On Thursday, we'll have a special delivery mailbag show. It's just like Mailbag Monday. It's just we, we got spillover. We have extras. They will go in Thursday's show. All right, let's get into it. First question comes from Brian in Denver who asks, Dame's scoring has been hovering in the lower 20s for the past several games. While I chalk it up primarily to nagging injuries, I'm curious to hear what you think his scoring average will be, will settle for the remainder of the season, rather. When he's healthy, will he be back up to around 30, or will the re-additions of Nurk, CJ, and Norm pull him closer to 25? So this this question is a little bit dated in terms of how long I've been sitting on it. Brian said this to me like 10, 10 days ago or so, but uh, not much has changed. Damian Lord is having a down April. Uh, in fact, his April splits in six games, he's playing 33 minutes a night. He's averaging 20.2 points, 38.4% shooting from the floor, 37.3% from three. Basically, he's just he's just not making twos. Uh, he's not getting to the line as much, just 5.7 attempts per game where he was averaging up around eight. Uh, he just he hasn't been as good. Some of that is because the Blazers um, have been bad as a team, and the one game that they did that they really rolled in the Oklahoma City game, he didn't play that much. Uh, he just had 16, only played 25 minutes, so he it wasn't like one of the wins he got to like really show out. But yeah, he's 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 struggled. Um, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if it does you any good for me to like predict what he's going to score. I don't have really any way of knowing that, but I'll just say this, like Dame is probably struggling with his own decision-making and the fact that the, um, that the coaching staff and him just have not. And I, and I, I mainly lean this on the coaching staff at this point, have not figured out a way to get him a rhythm when he's, when he's being taken out of the game in in sort of simple double teams. Um, I don't think it has to do with the returns of Nurk and CJ and Norm. I don't think that those guys are eating into his shots. Um, he only, he didn't really get into the paint against the Miami Heat. Uh, some of that is him. He's got to get downhill and and go for it. And maybe that's a, a physical health thing, an injury thing. But some of it is just like the Blazers just need to be more consistently creative with ways to get him open. The simplest solution is that Dame needs to shoot a little bit better um, and and maybe and maybe attack the rim a little more frequently. But the the like larger trend that we're seeing here is that the offense is just so predictable, and that predictability seems to be wearing on Dame's production. 
Next question comes from Rip Riles at Rip Riles on Twitter, who asks, can anyone on the Blazers take on the role of chippy slash nasty defensive edge? You know, I think in theory that's Nurk, right? Like he's like the physical kind of guy. Um, he hasn't really been that. He hasn't he hasn't stayed on the floor with any consistency. Um, it's you know it, he cha- like I said he changes this team's ceiling, but if he doesn't play or if he's if you know if he's getting constantly banged up or he's playing poor really poorly like he did against the Heat, um, he doesn't offer it. But yeah, um, they don't really have that. Uh, you know, there I think I think less and less you would you need that sort of guy who who sort of operates outside the rules but um the blazers could use someone who kind of who was like a tone setter um defensively and they don't really have that right now like as good as robert covington is defensively and as as good of a playmaker he is defensively he's his he's kind of subtle with his with his impact it's not he's not getting anyone's face and screaming and yelling and blocking he kind of he's not he's not setting the tone he's he's just um he's 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 been relatively productive on that end. So yeah, I, I think that job is Nurk. I think that's the guy who could do it. He just hasn't done it. Our next question comes from Dallas Stamper at Dallas Stamper on Twitter, who asks using the theory that the Blazers can't beat good teams. I see seven definite losses out of the next 21 games, but 14 and seven would be a good end of the season and should keep the Blazers out of play out of the play in game. Am I right? Or a hopeless fan? Dallas, I worry that you're a hopeless fan because when I look at this, just the Blazers have, you asked this a couple games ago, they have since beat the absolute, <laughs> they've really, really stomped the Pistons despite playing their starters into the fourth quarter. And um, and then they got, they were not competitive with the Heat the very next night. So t- two games later, they're now 19 left. And if you just go off like what I've been saying, like the Blazers don't really beat teams above 500 or don't beat teams that are currently in the playoff picture, I'm only seeing five wins like it they'll probably win more than this but if you're just going off the like they don't beat good teams they don't beat teams who have been in the playoff or in the playoff picture it's it it could get dark for the blazers their five wins that would be friday at san antonio and then the beginning of a long six game road trip at indiana a team that's already beat the blazers this year and beat them pretty handily i might add in portland they beat them uh, 111 87 it was a it was a beat down at the hands of the pacers but that team's out of the playoffs they're struggling uh the then the end of that road trip the end of a six gamer at cleveland that's a not a very good team that's uh, not, not the timing to want to play a good team then the blazers come back later that week san antonio um on a second night of a back-to-back after they played the Lakers on a Friday, they played the Spurs on a Saturday and then Monday against the, the Houston Rockets that same week. And then they close out the season against good teams. Again, those are five wins. I'll even just, just out of generosity, I'll throw in Charlotte. Um, I don't think, you know, they're a playoff team in the East, but I don't think they're not healthy right now. And they're just, um, I wouldn't call them like good. They're certainly not capital G good. I don't know if they're a playoff team in the West. I don't think at all they're a playoff team in the West, but they're in the playoff picture. So even if you throw that in, the Blazers are going six and 13. Um, That's, that's troublesome. That's a losing record to close the season. They're going to win more games than that. They'll figure out ways to beat a handful of, they'll win it. You know, maybe they'll split these games um, and go something like nine and 10 down the stretch. But if you just go off my theory that they can't beat good teams, um, you're, we're looking at a lot more losses. So yeah, I would say in general, in general, Dallas, you are being a hopeful fan, but I encourage hope. I encourage hope. Next question comes from Dermot who asks, historically Portland has, Portland has never been very successful at drawing free agents, star free agents, excuse me. Do you think there's any reason to think that 
that that won't be the case in the near future? Do players around the league want to play with Dame? Or is the Pacific Northwest just not an appealing option for most of the league's best players? Dermot uh, prefaced this by saying, like, a lot of people have been asking about trades. Seems like trades are hard to thread the needle. What about free agency? Um, so it's not going to be this year or anytime soon. The Blazers don't. Um, they If things go a certain way, they could, be, they could be a shade under the salary cap. Certainly not enough money to pay a star player to come here. Um, so... I think this is an, a kind of an unknowable answer, but one that, um, like, the basic answer to your question is no. The Blazers will not sign a star free agent, and no, I don't think it has to do with Dame. But I think the the, the playing with Dame thing is more interesting to me because um, the Blazers kind of never put themselves in a position to be a big a big salary cap team after the tw- summer of 2016. They just signed a bunch of contracts and they were just not, they've been out of it for the last five years in terms of like having big space. Then they've given money to CJ McCollum in extensions as opposed to letting him hit free agency and kind of like um, weighing their options. They've said that, you know, this guy's good and he's part of our system. Let's keep him around, which you know, and I haven't really faulted them for CJ McCollum's contract doesn't look very good right now. Um, but it, it's, it was hard for me to believe that the Blazers, um, definitely would have signed like you I, there's no guarantee. I should say that the Blazers definitely would have signed a player of CJ's caliber if they had let him walk. Um, they just might've signed different parts, um, which you can make a case is it was, it was the right move anyways. But, um, I think the interesting thing is like, what if in 2016 they hadn't committed all that money? What if they'd committed shorter term deals? And what if they'd been able to dip back in in 17 or 18 or even in 19? What if they had set themselves up to be a um, and not pay these guys and, and really have a shot at it? Would have Dame, when he elevated his star between the summer of 2016 and now, would he have attracted free agents the way Giannis Antetokounmpo kind of has? I mean, not really, but like, you know the trade and then drew holiday agreeing to go there and things like that. Like guys, guys joining the bucks as buyout as a buyout destination. Like would, would that have, if, if would the sort of perception of, of it change if the Blazers had, um, had 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 an opportunity to chase the league's best players. My theory is my feeling is no, like not a, not a, particularly appealing market and the Blazers were always like pretty good and pretty good is not as the distance between pretty good and great in the NBA is very 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 wide all right let's come back in the next segment and answer more questions we'll uh, we'll keep it rolling with mailbag Monday but first let's talk about locker room locker room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans it's free to download and once you're in you can talk with me that's right, your boy. Other fans, athletes, and insiders in real times about your favorite sport, about your favorite team or your favorite sport. I'll be hosting the Locked On Blazers team room once a week. Yeah, that's right. You can finally join in on the conversations that you listen to here every day. Here's how you do it. Um, it's the perfect place to start uh, or join a conversation about the NBA. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room. They'll be having watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the biggest news and rumors. And then there's that chance to chat with me that I've been floating. And you could even be featured right here on Lockdown Blazers. I I turned our locker room chat into a podcast last week, and listener Adam Nakamura's voice was featured right here in the podcast. Thanks to Adam for joining us. So be sure to join me this week. I'll be hosting the Locked on Blazers room Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. All you got to do is download the Locker Room app that is now currently available and free on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, join the NBA group for the latest league updates, and follow me at Mike G. Rich to be notified when my room goes live. 
I know you won't want to miss it. Uh, like I said, Wednesday, 6 p.m. I'm, I'm likely to be joined, though I have been confirmed as of, as of recording this one right now, by my friend and colleague Jamie Hudson of NBC Sports. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on the Blazers, what's going on. It'll be after they play the Boston Celtics. I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about. See you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. This episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. It's the family business has been serving auto park customers online for over 20 years. And you can go to their website, rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks and all of it will be delivered directly to your door. Plus, the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. So you'll be able to quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you'll be able to choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices that you prefer. And best of all, it's those prices because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You don't have to do that. Instead, you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski takes you through the latest stories in all the major sports leagues with the help of all of our local experts. So make sure you follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you already get podcasts. Let's keep it rolling with Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Zach who asks, All right, so clearly getting the wing we need is not going to come through trade or free agency. As pointed out by Dermot in the last question. You see how see how this bookend here, y'all? That's a that's the beauty of the word doc. So what do we have to do to make Nas what some people thought, including me, he could be out of UNC? Go heels. Are you pandering, Zach? Is this pandering to your Chapel Hill-born host? I really thought that Nas was a steal when he fell as far as he did in the draft, and I still think he has the potential to make teams regret passing on him. So what does he need to do to be our starting three with good production? I mean, some of it is like, have Terry put him in the damn game. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think the things that uh, Nas could sharpen up to be a little bit better are his his ball handling and his maybe uh, decision making. Like he he just, a lot of times he'll get it and he uses athleticism and he's burst to the rim. Sometimes he's, recently he's kind of, that aggression has caught up with him where he's either been called for a travel or he kind of gets caught like, whoops, can't explode through this guy. And, and um, you know, he's not, he hasn't played enough to get sort of the benefit of the doubt foul calls yet, just how the league works. But I think like he's, I don't know if he's like good enough to be like a really good starting three in the league right now, but like, he seems to be good enough to be like an a, like a pretty good role player like as of today and he's 22 um i think just patience like he's he's shooting slightly above league average league average from 3 um he's a competitive defender who has a lot of want to on that end and a, a willingness to defend goes a, a long way for young guys it, it, there's mental stuff that's beyond um just the interest but the interest is the huge first step and he has a ton of interest in playing defense so like, I think there's some skill stuff he could work on. And I think he's probably like a big step away from being like a, yeah, he's a starting small forward in the league. Like no questions asked, but he's like, he should, he, he's a better, 
he's a better basketball player on plenty of nights than Carmelo Anthony. He just hasn't gotten the chance. I don't think he's a better basketball player overall just yet, but there's plenty of nights where Nas would be a much better answer and just hasn't got the chance. So like part of the thing that's holding him back is opportunity and that's out of his control. Speaking of blazer forwards, our next question comes from Nathan, who was, I needled Nathan on last week's podcast saying that Derek Jones Jr. was not a long-term starter. And Nathan responded, as as is is uh, Nathan's right, saying, listen, I'm, I listen is my own editorializing. Here's what Nathan writes. Jones Jr. is at about plus 1.5, according to 538, better than Powell. Trent Jr. and most players in the NBA. He also has a PER of about 15, about the same as Trent Jr., in spite of Trent Jr. being more of an offensive guy. His PER has trended well between years. All of this is very impressive for a 23-year-old. How is he not a surefire long-term starter? So yeah, I'm just, I, I've said this on this podcast and let me say it again, to be like honest, I'm just not a, I don't see it with Derek Jones. He doesn't do it for me. When I watch him play, I don't say, yo, this dude rocks, let him play more. Um, I think since Nathan, you sent this, I'm either looking at the wrong thing on, on 538 or, um, or things done changed because, uh, Norman Powell's got a better box score Raptor. He's got a better on-off Raptor. Uh, he's significantly better on offense, significantly worse on defense, and about the same total overall Raptor. But in terms of war, like wins above replacement, uh, Norman Powell is better than Derek Jones Jr. So it seems like the 538 numbers may have may have started to like Powell more than they liked DJ. But he, like I, I'm going to just ignore that, right? Like. Not totally, because I think those I think the numbers mean something. I'm a guy who believes in stats and I'm not like the nerds don't know, watch the games. Like the nerds watch the games and they built the model. That's that's how it works. Like it anyone I know who's like really into stats also are also are like just watch way too much basketball. Like Kevin Pelton, like the the ESPN stats guy, he lo- he loves hoops and is always watching it. He watch the games nerds is something they're already doing. So I, I respect the numbers and I, and I trust the 538 stuff. I think smart people trust this, so I trust it too. But my, just with my eyes, with why I don't think Derek Jones Jr. is a long-term starter, uh, not a lot of offensive skill, um, can't shoot, not a great ball handler. Um, because he's not a great ball handler, he doesn't give an opportunity to be much of a playmaker. Um, and I think like what his skill should be, and this might have to do, this has as much to do with his teammates Terry Stotts' offense, uh, Damian Lowe's ability, is that his cutting just hasn't been that valuable, his sort of random cuts. Now, I say this after he played really well against the Miami Heat. Like, he had a really good game against the Heat. So, uh, you know, whatever. I Poor timing on my behalf. But on the other side of the floor, I know that he like, stays in front of his, his man really well and his length he uses to contest, but I just don't see him as a lockdown defender. Like, I, I see him as a good, solid defender, but maybe not a lockdown defender. Um, he's not strong enough, really, to guard the bigger fours and fives. Uh, he's okay. He's, like, better against guards as, as like, a, a rangy guy guarding ball handlers. I think that's his best fit. Um, all that's to say is, like, I see him as, a, as like, a pretty darn good role player, Um, that could be, you know, part of like pretty much every team in the NBA's top nine rotation. Like he could be, he can be somewhere between four, four and nine on like every, every team, but surefire starter. I don't see that when I see Derek Jones, like just not, not enough on offense and not enough to make up for it on defense. Uh, I, I'm not there. 
I know, I think I'm lower on DJ than like everyone who listens to this podcast. So, um, and everyone I talk to about the Blazers. So this is a me thing and I, and I accept it. Next question comes from Dr. J who asks if the Blazers don't show significant improvement over the rest of the season and no, and no other injuries. And we have a disappointing playoff performance. Which would you do one break up the core trade either CJ or Nurk and try to get better wing talent and bring back Stotts or two keep the core, including norm and change up the coach. Conversely, what do you think Neil will do? I'll, I'll start with the last part first. I think Terry's going to get fired when the season ends pretty much regardless the vibe around the team. And we're going to talk about this a little bit in the, to close the show, but the vibe around the team is awful. Um, I've never seen, maybe not never, but I've rarely seen Dame as frustrated. Just, I'm just judging body language here. Um, cause you're not, I'm not around them in the locker room and stuff like that. Like he could be in the past where you get little hints of what these guys are like as humans and their human lives. It's just zoom and TV and watching on TV. But I, Dame's vibe is terrible. The, the vibe around the team is terrible. Stotts's whole, like, He's leaning into just being like, I'm going to do what I want in press conferences in a way that he really hasn't in the past. I think he's gone and he knows it. Um, I don't have that from anyone. Like I don't, I'm, I'm not reporting that with sources. I'm just giving you, I've been around the team a long time and I've been around Terry since basically he got the job. I think he's getting fired. Um, I, I would put, I would put a lot of money on it. Um, go to betonline.ag, I guess. But, uh, what I would do is, is maybe a combination of both. Like I, I think, I think it might be just time to move on from Terry, like fresh voice. Uh, Katie Heindel basically convinced me of this when she joined the podcast a few months ago, uh, that a fresh voice is maybe the, the best argument for getting rid of Terry. And, and it has just been evidently more evident each day um that a fresh voice is what this team needs they just need they just need another they just need someone else giving them giving them um being more creative and and just telling them what to do i think they would they would benefit from a from a from a different from that coming from a different place um and i would explore trading cj and nurk both of them and that doesn't mean i would trade both of them but uh if there are you listen to phone calls you make phone calls you make offers you try to upgrade this team and the best way to upgrade, the best way to get a good player is to trade a good player for at least for, if you're the Blazers. I mean, the best way to get a good player is to draft one, but that's hard to do. Um, the draft is a crapshoot, but uh, yeah, I think you explore both of those trades. Um, I don't think you commit long-term money to use of Nurkic the way his health and way his, his, his production has been. Um, if you can trade CJ and get a taller person, that's, you know, a reasonable facsimile, not easy to do. I think you explore it too. But, um, I, you know, it's a talent league. So you, I, I would say if I, if like, if I have to choose, I guess I choose like trying to upgrade talent over coaching, but I think the coaching thing will settle itself. And, and this, this is a false binary. I don't have to choose Dr. J. All right, let's come back in the third segment. Uh, like I said, uh, let's let's talk about the vibe and some Terry press conferences and a little Derek Jones Jr. All in the third segment to close out this glorious Mailbag Monday. But before we do that, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You want to bet on? You literally want to bet on the next NBA coach to be fired? You can do that on BetOnline.ag. You don't want to bet on basketball stuff? Well, there's MLB games all day long. NHL's past its trade deadline and entering the stretch run. It's also got reality TV shows and awards you can bet on. All of that comes with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. <laughs> BetOnline's got you covered for real-time news and scores. It's just the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head on over to their website, betonline.ag. 
and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. The promo code is Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you're still listening to Locked On Blazers. It's that time of year. It's time to learn more about the top prospects available in the NBA draft. And you can do that with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of all the players you need to know ahead of this summer's draft. So make sure you follow Locked On NBA Draft on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's close out the show with with more of your questions on this beautiful Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Ian and Lewis. Actually, I'm going to read I'm going to read Ian's question, but Lewis sent the same one in a shorter version. Um, this is probably a bad choice by me in cor- encouraging question writers to write more, but it's it's just it's just how it's how the word doc shook out. Ian writes and and Lewis wonders. Unfortunately, I have League Pass and I'm watching Gary Trent Jr. cook nightly with Toronto. It is gutting. Watching him set his career-high best of 31, burying game winners. And now, as I write this, he is going off for a new career mark of 44 on 17 for 19 shooting. He looks like a pretty capable defender again. He's getting to the line more, creating his own looks, and even grabbing a few real box-out rebounds. Yeah, I've been stunned at Gary's rebounding numbers. He had seven in a game. Seven, Gary Trent Jr. The last month with the Blazers, I had started to feel like Gary was Alan Crabb 2.0. So when Norman Powell deal went down, it felt like an upgrade for us. And now I'm riddled with seller's remorse. You've said repeatedly on the show that we need to see Gary Dame. We needed to see Gary Dame and CJ on the floor together to see if it works before the Brinks truck rolled up for Gary Trent Jr. next season. In fact, you got rather animated when Jason Quick suggested on the pod, the Blazers, and I read that he meant Neil Olshay, felt that this was their best lineup, but hardly ever used it. Um, Yeah, Terry, rather, hardly ever used it. Yeah, uh, Jason was trying to sell me on that three-guard lineup, and they played like 15 total minutes before Gary got traded. Um, Maybe maybe the the Blazers front office did prefer that, but Terry certainly didn't. Uh, Ian continues in in Lewis's voice. Gary Trent just said in the post-game interview, I finally had an opportunity to showcase what I can do. And perhaps I'm reading into his tone too much, but it felt like he just want flat or wasn't happy in a similar way that Seth Curry wasn't happy. Is this an indictment of the coaches, the offensive and defensive schemes, or the organization? Why didn't this work? Yeah, you left out the part where Gary Trent Jr. said, for the first time in my career, I feel like I'm wanted. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. Um, I, I feel several different th- ways about this. One, um, Norm went off in the Gary role before the Blazers acquired him. There is the Norm had a 43 point game in Toronto on incredibly efficient shooting. Something's in the water or just their offensive system prioritizes guys who are fearless and are will get buckets. But that said, Gary Trent Jr. has looked refreshed and renewed in Toronto. And I think that quote has as much to do with sort of um, honesty. Like, he didn't play at all year one. He didn't play until there were, like, no no bodies left in year two. Finally got an opportunity, showed he could play, got a chance. And then in year three, he was still sort of on the fringe. He wasn't like... Like I kept yelling, like he never got that chance. And then they bring in Norm and Gary sees Norm starts right away. And it's like, what the hell? Uh, I can see why that would irk him. I can also just like 
and I, and maybe this is more relatable to you all is like, it's just, this is new job energy. This is like, you got a new job or you got a promotion and you look back and you're like, dog, like that, that my old boss did not, did not care for me. My old, you know, my old job, they didn't see how good I was. You know, they didn't, they didn't appreciate my strengths like this. Gary, some of it is Gary, just like new opportunity. The other thing is like the Blazers, um, traded him so they didn't want because they didn't want to pay him it seems like and the raptors traded him maybe with the intention to pay him so maybe gary really does feel wanted uh i, I kind of think maybe we're making too much of that quote but woo boy did it i heard it loud and clear when gary said it i don't have a great answer for like why didn't it work um some of it is i think the more aggressive defensive schemes in toronto fit what gary trent jr wants to do more uh the offensive schemes like he just there's less shots like he's been playing without kyle and without fred van vliet for the most part um or the the three of them have not played in many games all three of them together and when they have go look at the box score gary does not get as many shots um it's it which is a lot like it was in portland except he just never had that chance um i just think uh I, I, so I think some of his defensive schemes, some of it is just like mouths to feed. And Gary was, Gary wants to, he wants to be, you know, one of, one of the guys, not the third or fourth option. And when you play alongside Dame CJ and how much Carmelo Anthony is going to shoot, you're number four at best. So that's tough for him. I also think, I think it kind of did work for Gary here would be my only pushback. Like he looked, he established himself as a pretty good NBA player. And then a team that wants to like build around him for the future and give him a bunch of money traded for him. Uh, it didn't work because the Blazers, you know, the coach didn't play him and the Blazers chose to get rid of him, but it worked like this is, this is what working looks like. Uh, it, it worked for Gary. All right, next question comes from Jacob who asks, there is a belief that Melo has been promised minutes by the organization regardless of the impact on the team. Is there any basis for this theory? Do you think Terry wants to bench Melo but fears the fallout? So when Neil Olshay said, and I hope you're listening, Belgian Blazer, when when Neil Olshay said that the Blazers were going to be custodians of Carmelo's legacy, I don't know what y'all heard. <laughs> But I heard guaranteed playing time. When Neil Olshay said on Media Day, we see a 20 to 22 minute role for Carmelo Anthony. That seemed like a really specific thing. Um, I don't know if he's got like that set in stone, but the Blazers made it clear. If you sign here, you're going to play. And Terry has bought into that. Maybe one of the real arguments here for um, wanting a new coach is someone who would say, um, even when they know they're going to lose their job, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to bench him. Uh, I think, I don't know if Terry fears it, but he's chosen to do it. And it's real. Like, I don't know if he's been promised like specific minutes, but they are being custodians of his legacy and custodians of his legacy doesn't mean benching his ass for Nazir Little. It should maybe on certain nights, but it certainly doesn't mean that. Um, I don't think, like, I don't think this is a rumor. I think this is a real thing that was said on the record by the GM or president of basketball operations, rather. Next question comes from Jesse, who asked, Jesse sent a long email basically saying, I told you so, Jesse, a big time Mellow fan, basically like Mellow's better in a role where he's better in a situation where he's got a bigger role. And now that he's not like needed and has like a lesser role, he's struggling a little bit. But Jesse points out here, Nurk has been a part of the struggle as well. I haven't seen him string together 10, day, 10 games in a row that he's looked healthy and like the third best player since hopping on the Blazers train with Melo. In hindsight, do you think we 
could slash should have traded him for a Steven Adams-ish caliber center. I understand every Blazers fan media member is really high on Nurk, and he may be good, but I just haven't seen it because he's always hurt. Which do you think has been a bigger detriment to this year's this year? Melo's defense defense slash role or Nurk's health? So I'm glad you put the cutoff at 10 games because the nine games that Nurk played in the bubble, he kicked ass and was very clearly the Blazers' third best player, Jesse. But since you said 10, since you said 10, that's true. There has not been a 10-game stretch where Nurk has been good. Only one nine-game stretch. Can't argue with the logic. You win this round. Um, trade him for a Steven Adams caliber center. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do... I'm not a Steven Adams guy. I mean, may, trade Nurk, sure. But that specific one, no thanks. Um, but like the question is, which do I think has been a bigger detriment this year? Mellow's role or Nurk's health? It's Nurk's health because Nurk is a better basketball player. Um, and he's a, he's a bigger game changer. And as much as maybe you haven't seen it, um, it's clear that he's a better defensive player with than Ennis Cantor. It's the numbers and the eye test bear it out that the Blazers are become a comp can be not always, but can be a competent defensive team when Nurk is on the court and focused and locked in and playing well, and basically have not been able to do that without him on the court. Now that's an indictment of the players. It's an indictment of the whole coaching defensive philosophy, but it's also, it also shows what kind of impact Nurk can have. And so his health, which is a big deal at this point in his career, his inability to stay healthy is a big deal, um, has been a way a bigger detriment to this team than Melo's role, without a, without a doubt. Speaking of Nurk, Colin asks, seems like Nurkic was given a pass for coming into this season not mentally ready to play because of his private off-the-court issues. On one hand, if you're Dame, CJ, the organization, you understand that 2020 was a crazy year. But on the other hand, are you a bit angry knowing that this is this is the team's window and the only way to make a jump is if Nurk is an elite center that can be counted on every night? Again, he has so many legitimate excuses, including coming off a major injury not that long ago, but he's being paid very well. He's being paid fair. That's just how much he's he's even maybe even underpaid for what he is. He's got a 12 million great deal for uh, layman, uh, maybe underpaid for starting NBA center, but he's being paid to be the best possible condition to be ready to play. His poor conditioning still seems to be impacting his health and also may explain constant foul trouble and silly decisions like picking up his third foul on purpose, middle of the second quarter to stop a fast break when the Blazers were already back on D. I know many of us would get fired if we weren't performing regardless of what was happening in our personal lives. Would you be frustrated with Nurk if you were Dame, for example? Hell yeah. And like you said at the beginning of this, that you don't think Dame or that you don't you think Nurk got a pass? I don't think he got a pass. I think people were maybe understand like maybe people were understood why the situation might be, but I bet they I bet the Blazers were pissed. <laughs> like I bet they were pissed that he came in out of shape. And I bet they were pissed that he was really bad before he got hurt. I bet they were mad. Um Dame knows. Like Dame Dame knows the knows what's up. He's not this dude is not stupid. He knows how old he is. He knows how good he is. He knows how hard it is to win in a league. And when his coworkers show up not ready to contribute, I'm sure he's pissed and rightfully pissed. I bet he's mad. I bet the coaching staff was mad. I bet Neil in the front office were mad. I bet all of them were mad. It's just that the way the season has played out and the way that the media access is such, you don't get to see the moments that we would see. Um, you know, walking into a road shoot around where, where people are clearly frustrated or little moments in the locker room where you could tell body language and vibes are bad. You just don't see it. You don't see it. So it's harder It's harder to report on stuff. It's harder to get the vibe. But there's no doubt in my mind those, those folks were um, frustrated. 
Next question comes from Sir Wheezy at Wheezy Sir on Twitter, who asks After the last game during the post game interview, Coach Stotts made comments about Derek Jones Jr. and his reduced playing time. Out of curiosity, do those comments actually matter? Or does the internet blow it out of proportion? Do calls need to be made to players or agents clarifying what was said? So um, I I missed this in the in the post game in the Zoom or whatever, but I did I saw it on Reddit a couple days later and I or a, a couple hours later even and um, I did think the particular clip that was shared there I believe it was from a YouTube channel I wrote it down let me look and give them credit for having this uh, Blazers Uprise their YouTube channel they like they had a sort of like live reaction to the post game interview um, and I thought their reaction <laughs> they were more way more upset than I was. Um, uh, Jason Quick asked Terry Stotts, like, hey, you know, why doesn't Derek Jones Jr. play more? The defense sucks right now. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you play one of your better defenders? And Terry said something like, well, I'll just say that, like, Derek Jones, we were 29th in the NBA when Derek was playing and we're 29th in the NBA now. And then uh, on the stream, uh, the two guys on that YouTube channel were like, oh, like banging their skateboards on the lip of the uh, of the half pipe, all, all like excited that that Terry had thrown him under the bus. But my read was like, that was just Terry's way of saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. I will say it's not nothing. It's not nothing. I don't mean to say it. it's 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 definitely um, it's definitely uh, <laughs> it's it's something that he it's out of character for him to kind of uh, say, like, you know, this dude's not playing because we weren't good with him. But uh, I don't think. I don't think it's the type of thing that that'll get back to Derek and he'll be wildly offended. He's already offended that he's not playing. <laughs> like like the, he's the damage has been done by him just not playing. Like he doesn't um the explanation from Terry doesn't burn him anymore. I I and quite frankly like to smooth this over from a front office standpoint is pretty easy. They're going to fire Terry like I said at the beginning of the thing. Like I don't know if they're going to fire him. I mean I my, in my heart I truly believe he's gone, but I don't know that. I I want to say like I'm telling you from I'm making an educated to guess. Uh, I think he's going to get fired. So the easiest way to smooth it over with Derek Jones and his representation is to say, we're getting a new coach. Don't worry about it. Um, so I don't think, I don't think it, um, I don't think it's nothing. I think it was, I think it was noteworthy. I think it was noteworthy because it was Terry who doesn't normally do that. But I don't think this was sort of like, um, this was, this was kind of like maybe if you think if you think Terry's a big dumb dummy, this was like him saying something that was like offensive and looking like a big dumb dummy. And if you kind of just think like, yeah, whatever, like if you were if you weren't paying close attention, you might not have noticed that. Certainly the clip I saw made me notice it a bunch. Um, <laughs> it was pretty funny, actually. I shout out to those guys. But this just in general, this just like continues a trend of 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 Terry kind of, it seems like over the last, and this is why I, this is like the vibe I'm reading here. Let me like put my cards on the table is like, he's just been in post games. And I, in general, I'm, if you've listened to this podcast a bunch, I say like, you know, Terry gives bad answers cause he hates doing media and he just wants to keep it moving. But he just seems to be, um, he's just, he's just saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I think that has been the vibe that I've been reading from him. And to me that reads like, I know that my job's in trouble and I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I'm just, I'm going to, when he said like, we're going to play Norm because we're going to play our best players. Like it was like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I, I, that's my vibe with Terry is right now. He, he, he knows, he knows he can, if we can feel it, if I can feel it through the damn TV, you know, that it's terrible for him every day when he goes into work. He, he, he also knows the vibes are bad. He also experiences how bad the losses are too. He knows, he knows the heat is on him. 
hell, maybe maybe he watches the uh, maybe he watches that YouTube channel and knows that um, he did a, he was mean to Derek Jones and got a big reaction out of some folks. Uh, so like he he knows, and he's just this has just been the vibe with him the last ten days is that he's just like nah, I'm going out and my if I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go out doing it my way. Um, which brings us to our final question of the show. Tim asks. There was a great episode of the Ringer podcast where they recap the Nets regular season experiment article written by Rob Mahoney. I tend to think that almost by default, with injuries and weird lineup changes, the Blazers, we've, as Tim says here, been forced to experiment throughout the season. I'm not comparing us to the Nets, but at the end of the day, we are like them. So many collective pronouns in here, Tim. You're hitting them all. Not so bad that we that we can't afford this experiment. Do we have enough healthy players now to just kind of win against the bad teams, keep everyone healthy, and then see what we can scout for a decent playoff run. So I didn't I didn't listen to the podcast, but I did read the story by uh, by Rob Mahoney called uh, Brooklyn Has Turned the Regular Season into Its Laboratory. Uh, it's from April 7th. You can find it. Just search Rob Mahoney Ringer. It'll be on his it'll be you'll find it quickly. You're, you you all listen to this podcast. You can you can figure out stuff on the internet. I'm not worried about you. But um it is. It poses an interesting, interesting thing. Is basically like the Nets by by force and by their and by Steve Nash's willingness have tried a million different lineups. They keep adding new players to the roster. They're just trying to figure out what they have. But the difference between the Nets and the Blazers is that the Nets have a whole bunch of high end talent. They can experiment and win. And I'm not sure the Blazers can experiment and win. That's one. Two. Terry's not going to do that. The Blazers are spiraling out of control and he won't experiment. He won't say, hey, we're getting shellacked by good teams. Why don't we try a funky lineup? Why don't we try something weird where CJ brings the ball up the court every single time down the floor? Why don't we try something weird where Nazir Little starts at the two and we bring CJ off the bench or, or start Cantor and bring Nurk off the bench or or just don't play mellow 27 minutes like some of it is is the the coaching staff refuses to experiment. The other is that the Nets have the luxury of being able to experiment. I think the Blazers probably don't have this luxury to be that creative. And the only reason that I'm saying they can be now is because the season seems to be kind of slipping away and they can't they aren't really competitive against good teams anyway. So you might as well try something weird. Um, if you lose by 15, no one will know the difference. But um, good teams have the luxury to experiment. And that's one of the things that Mahoney points out here is like, it's just, it's all of the talent. Like if, if Kyrie Irving is the third or fourth option on an offensive play, you have this insane luxury to experiment with stuff. But you're also good enough and competitive enough that you can just say the, the regular season is for finding out how, what works and how because we know we're going to be there. And while the Blazers are probably going to be in the playoffs, they're pro- they weren't at any point really this season good enough to say, we know we're going to be there, let's figure out what works. You'd wish that they were more experimental. You'd wish they tried more stuff. You wish the coaching staff wasn't as stubborn. You wish all of those things. So it's, it is like so many things in this world, it's a combination of things. But, uh, but, this is, I don't think the Blazers could, I don't think the Blazers could have done this. And I know they certainly wouldn't have done this. That's going to do it for this episode of Mailbag Monday. Got uh, fun shows coming for you later this week. Wednesday's podcast, Ben Golliver of the Washington Post is going to join the podcast. Former editor of 
a Blazer's Edge, uh, P- Portland native, he's going to join the show. So be sure you look for that on Wednesday. Uh, like I said, Thursday's show will be our special delivery mailbag episode. So if you didn't hear your question or you have like a pertinent question coming after this game against the Celtics or whenever you happen to listen to this, at Mike G. Rich or LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com are the two places you can find me. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.